Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NHL Trade Talk, the podcast. Uh, Jim Parsons here with NHLTradeTalk.com, TheHockeyWriters.com, and now TradeTalkSports.com, which is up and live and ready to roll. As always, Brooke Laferno is with me. Brooke, how are you? I'm doing good. This will be an interesting episode. I can't wait to get this one rolling. Yeah, for sure. Uh, We're going to be talking a little bit about what happened here officially on Sunday morning, which was the Bruce Boudreaux, which I always have a hard time saying, Bruce Boudreaux, uh, was let go officially by the Vancouver Canucks, along with a couple assistant coaches. Rick Tockett has been hired. Uh, Sergey Gonchar comes in in that group. So it's been something everybody's known about for a while that Boudreaux was leaving. The storyline around Vancouver, not only with the Bo Horvat stuff, is that the way the Vancouver Canucks have been treating Boudreaux, people are not real happy with it. At least it's officially done now. He's able to leave. He doesn't have to be paraded out in front of the media anymore and talk about what is about to happen to him, which everybody knew, including himself, was that he was going to be let go. So I'm going to get your reaction first just on the whole trade, or not the trade, but the firing and the way that it happened. Um, What did you make of the situation in Vancouver? Are you as hard on this team as a lot of people are in the way that this was all handled? Yes, I am, actually. I think... The video, I think that was, you know, circulating on social media um, last night kind of spoke for itself when the crowd was chanting, Bruce, there it is. And he got a little emotional on the bench there. I think what made it sad was how it was so public. Like so said, we literally saw play by play of everything that was going on. We saw play by play of, you know, um, Jim Rutherford speaking, saying we've been kind of looking at replacements for months. And then we saw the whole play by play this morning with, okay, it's 930 and he was just called into the office for a meeting and everyone knew what was coming. So I do think it was handled very poorly. And, but I will say I give so much kudos to the Vancouver Canucks fan base, because I'm sure this is the most frustrating thing ever to see how I will say kind of classless. This is kind of played out by the management side, but the Canucks fans have been so supportive. So I actually give them a lot of kudos for taking that kind of in, into their own hands and kind of showing, give, give giving kudos to a coach who actually has done a good job in Vancouver, even though it was a short tenure. Yeah, it's it's such an interesting, the way that this all happened, I think, I do agree the Vancouver Canucks did not handle this well at all. Um, that said, there's so many angles at which this storyline created this perfect storm of um, it's just unfortunate circumstances, right? Like you've got Rick Tockett, who has a deal with TNT as an analyst, who I guess needed to give four weeks notice before he was able to leave that position. So Vancouver knew they wanted to bring him in. They would have brought him in a long time ago, but they had to wait for the TNT contract to do its thing so that he could go. Well, word obviously got out about this. He even addressed it on one of the broadcasts. He's like, look, I haven't signed a contract yet, obviously because he couldn't. Uh, Vancouver was aware that they were probably moving on from Boudreaux. And I think even fans in Vancouver knew that probably Boudreaux was not the guy, right? He's not, the Vancouver Canucks has not played well, whether you want to blame this on JT Miller, you want to blame this on some of the veterans, you want to blame this on the organization, doesn't really matter. Uh, Vancouver has not played well. Boudreaux is probably not the guy, but Vancouver Canucks fans are kind of like, yeah, this may all be true. Maybe Tockett's the guy, maybe Boudreaux is not the guy, but this is not the way to treat somebody who's been in the game for 40 years, who's been a veteran coach, who's done everything that he can. He had a really solid record last year. Um, if you're moving on, just move on, right? Like you don't need to pray. Like, and I do agree. I don't know why they didn't just let him go, let him leave, put in like Mike Yo to run things internally until Rick Tocca could come in and take over the bench. I don't know why you don't just do that. Like it just was really, really strange that 
the Canucks decided to continually talk about this publicly. Rutherford admitted he was looking at coaches, that they talked to talk and talk and admitted that he talked to the Canucks. Boudreaux was like, yeah, I know I'm gone. Like, it's not like a secret at any point now. It just was really weird the way that it all sort of went down. I, I have to ask you this, though. Do you think, one, that this is going to affect people's desire to work with and for the Vancouver Canucks? And then, two, do you think this will help boost Boudreaux get a contract again because of the way that he handled his departure? Because he's getting a lot of props, as he should, for being very, very, you know, high road here. Like, he... He could have you know, ragged on this organization for the way they did this, but he never did. And right. so people are going to be very like, hey, this is kind of the guy you want on your staff. Look at how he handles these situations, right? So do you think this will be troubling for Vancouver? Like, do you think it, are players going to look at this and go, you guys really shafted that dude. Do I really want to come there? Yeah, I actually do. Um, and to be honest, from a PR standpoint, this has been a terrible season um, for the Vancouver Canucks. The whole thing with JT... Miller's kind of antics that have kind of been a distraction and have always been a big news story this season. And he's a good player, but that's kind of been a distraction this season. And then the whole thing with um, their assistant video coach, um, Mm -hmm. Rachel Dory, who filed that um, discrimination complaint. um, And then everything that's happening with Bruce um, Bordeaux. So I do think this is going to have some consequences. And I think something about the coaching is that Jim Rutherford was criticizing the coach back in November, talking about the structure of the, um, his coaching style and everything else. And it's like, kind of like, uh, okay, that probably wasn't the way to go about that. That's probably something you should talk to him about internally and not kind of bash him to the media. So I do think there could be something there unless Tockett for some reason kind of changes the culture there with the coaching. I don't know, but I do think it will have some effect on free agency and kind of just in general, because I think people know that right now Vancouver is kind of just, like I said, it's unfortunate PR um situation of right now so but I don't think um like when it comes to uh, Bredore I don't think it's the way he handled it that's going to get him another coaching job because he did handle it great but it's his resume that's going to get him rehired I think I don't think he'll be out of a job long I think anyone would be interested in having a coach with his resume and obviously like he said the players were crying last night saying goodbye to him they all had great things to say about him and Andrew Cagliano spoke out on his behalf so the players like him he's well renowned around the league so I don't think he'll have any issues getting another job, but the fact that he handled it so well obviously was just a bonus on his character. Yeah, I mean, you talked about the PR in Vancouver. You're forgetting, too, maybe not forgetting, you just didn't mention, but like the Tanner Pearson injury situation is a mess, Mm. right? The fact that when Rutherford came in and he chose JT Miller over Bor Horvat and now Bor Horvat is leaving, like all of this, you add that. I do wonder if that will factor into anybody's decision to hire Boudreaux again and say, you know what, you you were dealing with a mess over there. Mm -hmm. Like, not only did you handle this with class, but you actually won more games than we ever would have expected you would considering that situation, right? There's a lot going on in Vancouver right now, and you just, I don't know how anybody wins regularly with that happening, right? So, yeah, I would guess, I don't know that he'll be a head coach again. Like, I'm, I'm thinking he probably won't be. But I could see, you know, bringing him in as an assistant in Toronto Mm -hmm. and maybe potentially if something were to happen with Sheldon Keefe and all of a sudden you're like, you got to get this guy. You've got a guy like Boudreaux who can take over in the interim or whatever the case. Like, I do believe he's still a part of the game. I don't know that he gets a head coaching gig somewhere. Um, He could, and he's probably earned it if he does, at least consideration for one. Mm -hmm. Um, But 
I'm not sure that he would, but I also think he'd probably be happy to be an assistant coach somewhere. Right. Like I think yeah. if he has the opportunity to do that, especially on a Canadian team, uh, why, why would he say no? Right. I think yeah. that, that he was able to drag this out as long as he did in Vancouver is probably surprised to a lot of people anyway. Right. When mm-hmm. he came in last season and all of a sudden they started winning like crazy and he almost mm-hmm. made the playoffs with him. I don't think people thought he was going to be the coach this year, but mm-hmm. that record last year was what got him this, this gig. So He's probably upset about the way all this happened, and I would be too if I was in his situation. But he's probably also happy. Like, look, I was able to drag this out five, six months longer than I ever thought I would, right? So it's uh, it's probably good. But, yes, Vancouver did not handle this well. And I do wonder if this is going to be something that they're going to regret, uh, even if they feel as though it was unavoidable. Right. I don't think it was unavoidable, but I I think to them they may say, well, what were we supposed to do here? We had to wait for talk it. We knew this. It got out. We had to address it. We didn't want to lie. Like it just, they could have handled it differently, but it is unfortunate the way that it all went down, but it's done now. Uh, talk it's in. We'll see what happens. Uh, I'm curious to see what gets dumped off here. Um, Horvat for sure. Tyler Myers. I'm wondering if he will go, but I wonder if anybody will be interested at that contract. Cause it's really big. Um, Connor Garland is a player I think mm-hmm. could leave uh, Vancouver. Uh, I don't know if, if there's a bunch of other people on the list and who might go, but I do believe that they're going to be sending out some pieces Let's switch gears a little bit and talk about some other names that have been kind of in the rumor mill of late. Um, I'll let you pick the first one. Is there a player that you've been keeping your eyes on here or a team that you're watching when it comes to the trade deadline, the news, what's happening surrounding the organization? Who are you watching? Do you know what the one name that's kind of been popping up lately that kind of has been piquing my interest is Timo Meyer? on the Mm -hmm. Sharks. He's not someone that I initially thought of someone leaving. I thought he's someone for, as far as the Sharks are concerned that you keep and kind of, you know, continue to build around him. But the Sharks are still very underperforming at this point. And we know Eric Carlson's name is in the trade rumor mills, but who knows what that contract still, what that looks like, but Timo Meyer, Yeah, there could be a lot of teams interested. And so I, he uh, he's one for sure that I'm keeping my eye on because I think they could get a good haul for him, but that'd be one that I think would also kind of hurt them a little bit to have to part with. So he's kind of one I feel like recently just popped up and I was like, oh, interesting. Yeah. But yeah, I think he'll be gone. Yeah, he's been in the news a lot the last maybe week or two. Uh, yeah. I think he was probably flying under the radar because he's a restricted free agent. And typically when you're looking at trade deadline stuff, you're looking at UFAs and they're the mm-hmm. obvious dumps, right? For teams that aren't competitive, you move a UFA because you don't want to lose them for nothing. But in this case, the San Jose Sharks still have a lot of control when it comes to Timo Meyer. But I think you're right in that there's a lot of people who'd be interested in them. I think the ask is going to be really high. The kicker for me, that'll be really, they're going to have to, and I've heard San Jose is already doing this, allowing teams to talk to Meyer about a contract extension because mm-hmm. he's got a massive qualifying offer, like yes. 10 million bucks, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not like you want to take the chance of giving up three assets for a player who isn't going to stick around, or you're going to have a super hard time negotiating contract with, and then you're stuck like having to give them whatever. So you need to know that if you acquire this player, you can sign him for eight years at Mm -hmm. eight and a half million or something like that. Right? Like you, you've got to be comfortable that giving up that many assets and then getting a player that you may not be able to negotiate with or have trouble doing so is not the way to go. So they're going to need to talk to Meyer and figure out if he's willing to come. So the Rangers I hear are really heavy on this. I've heard the Maple Leafs are looking at this, although a lot that has to do with Toronto is going to be dependent on Jake Muzzin and what that salary situation looks like with LTIR. Uh, but the Rangers apparently are big in on Meyer and Frank Cervelli was like the one I think that said they've moved him right to the top of their list. So 
Uh, which is interesting because as a player that you've been watching closely from your market, Patrick Kane was linked to the Rangers. Um, and so without news on what's happening with him and if he doesn't decide till February, maybe the Rangers go, well, we don't necessarily want to wait forever here. If we can get our hands on Meyer and we can work out a deal, maybe we'll do that. Um, I do wonder though, if the Rangers get into this, how they'll handle a lot of the contracts. They got, they got some big names coming up here with some players that are due some pretty serious money. So if you lock in a Timo Meyer at eight and a half million or whatever the case is, who goes? Somebody probably has to come off of that roster or you're not signing somebody or Alex Lafreniere goes the other way or something like that. Right. Cause I just, I, I'm very curious about it. Um, you had mentioned another team before we went on here air, on air to, uh, about Montreal. You're very closely watching that group because of the news with Cole Caulfield lately. And I can't think of a team that has every year. There's a team that gets just creamed by injuries, but Montreal situation is amazing. Like, how many their list of injured players is almost as long as the list of their active roster. It's yeah. ridiculous. Like they got and, 10. Yeah. Well, and the biggest names right now, Caulfield, you're like Kofsky just went it down. Gallagher's already there. Joel Armia is already there. Uh, Carey Price, Jake Allen's been injured for a bit. Uh, who am I missing? Paul Byron. Like there's a bunch of people on their roster who mm-hmm. are not able Sean Monahan's been in and out and he's out right now. I think like, I don't know what Montreal's going to do, but I have to assume they're just going to try to sell everything. Uh-huh. Like there's probably a couple players. Nick Suzuki is obviously untouchable. There's a few players on that team that you won't, you know, Arbor Jack guy maybe, but like everybody else, like if you can move them, I bet you they try. Uh, how hard do you think they fall for Bedard at this point? Is it like full on? Let's get to the bottom. I think some fans have been saying that they're like, if we're going to have Caulfield out, who's been kind of carrying the whole team offensively, then it's like, you might as well tank, but I don't see them falling. Um, that much I mean I think they're they have been struggling a lot even with Caulfield they kind of went hot at first uh when the season started then they kind of started coming back down to earth I don't see them full-on tanking at this point they did just beat Toronto um surprisingly with that banged up roster um but I don't know where they go from here I do think that they'll sell for sure the one name I'm keeping my eye on too is Christian um Dvorak I think they have been trying to move him for some time but haven't really found a taker and that's someone I think they would be willing to move and could get something good for him. Um, he's their fourth best scorer right now on the team. Surprisingly has 20 points in 47 games. So yeah, I got my eye on him too, but it will be hard I think for them going forward. But like I said, I don't see them in the draft lottery either. So we'll see how this plays out though. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, I don't know what they'll do. Like I, I think Ken Hughes is a pretty being a former player agent and stuff. I think he's a pretty savvy negotiator and he'll probably make some deals that we aren't necessarily expecting i know they're shopping joel edmondson but i do think people are concerned a little bit about his injury history and there's a lot of other names on the blue line that are becoming available vladislav gavrikov out of columbus um there's a handful even jake mccabe out of chicago Mm -hmm. potentially like there's a lot of people that are on the radar for teams that need a defenseman so you have to little you kind of wonder how much edmondson's going to be you know, a top target for some of these teams. And is he third, fourth, fifth on the priority list? And do, does a team eventually pull that if they miss out on their first two, you know, you know, targets or something? I don't know what's going to happen there, but I I'm curious, Sean Monaghan, I think they might move, but he's injured a lot. And so you don't know what's going to happen there. I think Dadnoff's on that team too, right? Evgeny Dadnoff, I believe that he's probably going to get moved, but his contract's not exactly small. Yeah. Mike Hoffman could be even Josh Anderson. That Josh Anderson is the interesting one for me because He's got a lot of term left there, but there's so much talk out of Montreal that maybe he doesn't fit the way that they're going to play the game from here on in. So I don't, I don't know. Like it, 
they're a team I'm going to watch closely because I, I think Kent Hughes will try to do something. Um, and if it's me, if I'm the GM of that team with all the injuries, I'm trying to do it now. Like yes. I'm immediately trying to make these trades. Um, yes, there's some something to say for waiting until other teams miss out on the players that they want to get and seeing what you can get. But if you can start tanking immediately by making your roster even more depleted than it already is, then you're better to start <laughs> now, right? Like, because then it gives you the better odds of, of doing that. Um, what about, what do you think is happening with this Horvath situation? Like, do you have teams that you're keeping an eye on that you think are probably the most likely Boston we've heard, Carolina we've heard, Minnesota we've heard, um, yes. you know, even Edmonton we've heard is, an, you know, kind of a team. Seattle, we're waiting for them to make a move. They're playing pretty well and they've got some cap space and prospects. Um, who was it? Vegas, I heard, was in on this. I don't know how that works, but yeah, uh, are, are there teams that you're watching? Like, who's if you had to make a, a bold prediction at this point as to where Bo Horvat winds up, do you mm-hmm. have a team that you think he's going to land with? This probably seems very unrealistic, but a name that keeps popping in my head is the Devils, the New Jersey Devils, because Friedman was talking about how they were kind of sniffing around Timo Meyer as a possible acquisition, which makes me think. Obviously, Timo Meyer is going to have a lot of teams in on him, and Horvat as well, but makes me think they're kind of looking for a player like that. And obviously, New Jersey's done very well this year, but it still seems like they might just need that like one extra punch to really mm-hmm. go far. I don't know if this is their year. We'll see. But if they added Horvat, I mean, that would instantly, I think, make them even more dangerous than they already are. So I could see New Jersey being a possibility. Maybe unrealistic, but who knows? I don't know. But, yeah, I think he could be a really good fit there, though. Yeah, it is It is going to be interesting because I I think a lot of this is going to depend on what the Canucks are asking for. I hear mm-hmm. it's three pieces, including a top prospect in all of this. Um, now, what are those pieces? Like, are they pieces that have salary? Are they pieces that don't like, will they take money back on these deals? So is Vancouver looking to add players who they can immediately slot into the lineup and improve their team? Because if they're just looking for draft picks and prospects, there's a lot of clubs here that can't afford this. Right. And even though Borhovat right now is not incredibly expensive, if the Vancouver Canucks retain salary here, uh, he will be. So if you're going to be adding Horvat, you're probably looking at a player that you want to negotiate with, and you're going to need to have some room on your roster to add him long-term, which is why I think a name like Edmonton's out there, because Jeff Merrick's the one that's saying the uncertainty around the long-term, you know, dry cycle contract maybe gives Edmonton a reason to look at Horvat. I don't agree with that at all. I think mm-hmm. that's a little crazy. Uh, I think if the Oilers do anything, they find room to fit both Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl on this roster, no matter what they cost. But um, I could see where the logic of that comes in, right? Because if McDavid becomes an 18 or $19 million player and Dreisaitl becomes like a $15 million player, would you rather have Horvat at nine and a half or Drysaddle at 15? Uh, I do think Drysaddle is the better player, but that's yeah. a $5 million swing, right? So it's like, what else can you pay $5 million for to help round out your roster? I get why people would have this conversation, but um, it's way too early for me, for the Oilers to be even thinking about moving Drysaddle. He's still got a few years left. So um, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting conversation because what Vancouver wants to do, I think is going to make all the difference here. How open and flexible are they to looking at different packages from different teams and going, yeah, we'll consider that. Or, yeah, we'll consider that unless they just want, you know, like Arizona has wanted, what, two firsts and a prospect for Jacob Chikrin. That has never changed. Like, that has been the ask the whole time. If Vancouver doesn't just do that and go, this is what we want, then who knows what this could go for. Um, I am kind of curious to see now what happens in Carolina. 
the mm. Max Pacioretty situation has changed things a lot for me. Like, and for a lot of people, like all of a sudden Carolina's got money, right? Mm-hmm. They were always a team that we thought would be in the conversation for a lot of players, but they didn't have this the cap space to really do a whole lot. Now they do. Max Pacioretty is done. His $7 million contract is out. They've all of a sudden got sort of carte blanche to go spend some bucks. And so I'm curious, what do you think Carolina does? Do you think they are a team that's going to make a really big splash here? I think they have to. <laughs> I think they have well, to. Well, they're second they in the NHL right now. They can't afford to, not that Pacioretty's yeah, been a huge difference maker for them because he's been unhealthy all year, but like they want scoring. They have had it, yes. never had it in the playoffs. It's always been a struggle for them. I think they're going to go out and try to get it. Who do you think they're targeting? I don't know. Like I said, I know we keep mentioning his name, but I do think Meyer could be someone only because of his term. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they would want to re-sign him long-term, but it's a short-term solution because Pacioretty is out. Um, do you know what, though? Maybe, like I said, we don't know what's going on in Chicago yet with Patrick Kane, but maybe Patrick Kane could be an option for them, too. Again, short-term we don't know what Kane's future looks like. We don't know if he'd want to get moved for a chance and then come back uh, for a Stanley Cup chance and then re-sign. I don't know if that's realistic anyways, but who knows what he's thinking. But I do think that could be an interesting um, one for sure. Um, I don't really exactly know where they're going from here. It's hard because now they have the money, but it's about term, I think, at this point. Yeah. I don't know if they're getting someone to want to sign long-term or just for right now, but it is hard because they were banking on Max Pacioretty when they, when he came back to being that final like punch for them, that was finally, you know, going to really help. And it's really unfortunate that that happened again. It was the same injury too. It's yeah, that's unfortunate. I do. I I'm with you on the Patrick Kane thing. I think there's a potential here for a conversation to go down between Chicago and Patrick Kane to say, look, let's consider this option. We're going to move you to Carolina. You're going to come back to Chicago as a free agent. We know you want to be here. We don't have a problem with you being here. We'd like you to be working with our guys, our young players, whatever, but you're going to have a really good shot at winning in Carolina. We'll even move you for not what we probably could get for you in another situation. And we won't ask for the sun, the moon and the stars mm-hmm. for you to go there. Um, I don't know if he wouldn't consider that. Like, especially if you have the option to go back, right? As a UFA, you can do whatever you want. So if you, mm-hmm. You go to Carolina, you have a really good... There's, there might not be, if he joins that roster, there might not be a better team in the East. Mm-hmm. Boston is right now, but I don't know if Boston doesn't add. or I mean, they're just... And they're worried about disrupting their chemistry, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so you got to be very careful in Boston who you add because at the minute you do that and you shuffle lines around, you, who knows, right? Um, mm-hmm. But I do wonder if Carolina and Boston are the two immediate favorites in the East... And Carolina has a really good shot if you add a guy like Patrick Kane. And if Patrick Kane says, yeah, you know what? I'm open for that. I'm coming back. And they worked out a deal in advance to say, this is what we'll sign you for if you do. Uh, I would be curious to see if that would be something that happens. Because I think you know Carolina, Don Waddell is always in on these conversations. And I think if, if Kane decides ultimately he does not want to leave Chicago, to yeah. ask him to go for a few months so you can get a uh-huh. few assets to help the rebuild and then come on back. I, I would be very curious to see if that's something that happens. And Carolina is now one of the few teams that can afford this, mm-hmm. right? Even if you, re- even if Chicago retains half, it's still a $5 million player. Uh, Carolina can now afford this with the patch rate situation. So 
Yeah. I will I'm... say something that stands out about this whole thing is when the Blackhawks faced Carolina in Carolina um, back in December, they were talking to Tavo Teravinen, who obviously was Patrick Kane's teammate. They won Stanley Cup together in Chicago. They kind of, one of the reporters asked him about, um, you know, the possibility of Kane and Taze wearing different jerseys and how different would that look to see them in, you know, different um, jerseys. And he said, he pointed to the Hurricanes jersey behind him and said, I think either of them would look pretty good in this jersey right behind me. So uh, who knows? I could actually see, like you said, Patrick Kane, I think could make a lot of sense in a weird way. Yeah. The only thing that would be whatever here is that Patrick Kane is a right winger. Patrick was a left winger. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's still not a huge issue because when you look at, you know, Carolina's roster, like on the right wing, it, I, I guess if, if you're not moving Martin mm-hmm. Eaches, that that's the kicker for Carolina. I think any conversation that starts with him, they're out. Like, mm-hmm. they're like, no, we're not moving him. Like we're just not sending that player anywhere. So, but they just want the scoring. I think left wing, right wing, it doesn't really matter, but yeah, that's the only, I guess, argument is you replacing a left winger with a right winger, but you know, I think he Carolina would just be happy. He's playing offside. Oh, is he? There you go. So yeah, he has his whole career, but I don't know if they've ever tried him at left wing. I don't know if he would ever work there, but he is playing on his offside. So we'll see. Well, if he's flexible, right? I mean, all you got to do is find chemistry for a couple months. Right. That's the kicker. And and like I said, Carolina just wants that scoring that they've not had. Now, Kane's had a bit of a down year, but I think if you put him in on another team in a different situation, that's got to be a spark for him, right? Yeah. Like, how do you not just all of a sudden, you know, start to produce in a new environment with some really top tier players um, that Carolina has, right? They've got some pretty good, good guys, but yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, any other teams that you're sort of, as we wrap this show up today, anybody that you're kind of keeping an eye on here that you think we should be watching over the next couple we're still some, what, five weeks away. We've got a little time before anything major probably falls down. I don't think we're going to see a lot of rumors uh, actually yeah. become reality here in the next couple weeks, but I do wonder if there are teams that are are looking to make moves. Anybody else that you're specifically sort of watching as we roll this on here? Arizona, not just because of Chikrin, because they've been struggling a lot lately. I think they're like 1-11 in their last 12 games. So um, I have my eye on them for sure. I don't know what – I think there are moves coming. I don't think it's just Chikrin. I'll be interested to see – what's going on there. And I also have my eye on Buffalo a little bit. I know they have Vinny Hinnestroza on waivers. They can't really find a place for him. And they've kind of been switching out forwards and defensemen a little bit. So I'm interested to see if they make some moves just to try to get um, healthy bodies out that they don't need anymore. Um, so, and they're kind of making a playoff push. So I'll be interested to see what kind of moves Buffalo will be making, or if they're just going to stick with what they have because they're doing so well. We'll see. Sure. No, those are two good teams. I'll give you two as well to close this off today. Uh, I'm going to be watching the Detroit Red Wings. I think that the situation with Dylan Larkin is uh, people aren't talking about it a lot, but I think it's not very good. I think the last I've heard was Detroit has offered him something on a long-term extension that isn't anywhere close to what he wants. um, And he didn't take that very well. So I'm uh, curious to see how that goes. I wonder if there will be, uh, one or two things is going to happen. They'll figure it out and he'll be there long-term or they won't. And they'll probably feel like they have to trade him. And if that's the case, and they're also looking at what they're going to do with Tyler Bertuzzi. I hear Tyler Bertuzzi is open to sticking around, but there's probably a market for him and they might trade him. So I think Detroit, depending on where they're at, what they think they can add, especially when it comes to the Bo Horvat situation, if they're moving Larkin, I bet you they're in big on Horvat. Um, mm-hmm. So I think Detroit's a play team to watch. And I cover the Oilers and around here, 
They're in a very interesting situation. They've won six in a row. They're playing really, really well. Kyler Yamamoto is on LTIR, but he's going to be coming off of it uh, pretty quickly, and they need to move money to be able to make that move. Uh, they have to move some salary. they got to move somebody. And so whether that's waiving or putting a player like Jesse Pugliarvi on waivers, if you can't find a home for him, but I think Warren Fogel's been shopped, Derek Ryan's been shopped, and Jesse Pugliarvi have all been shopped. And I do wonder if somebody ends up getting traded here in the next week because uh, I think the Oilers are, they have no choice but to free up some money somewhere. Uh, they've only demoted like Devin Shore at this point, and they've got some other things, unless they've got another LTAR situation to kick it around the corner that we don't know about. But uh, yeah, somebody's going. I think there's going to be a trade there in the next little bit. They might be actually, if I had to make a bold prediction, they might be my team for the earliest move here in the near mm-hmm. future. I think the Oilers are going to probably have to make a trade. So um, I, it'll be interesting. Those are the two teams that I'm watching. But I think it's going to be a busy deadline. You think it'll be busy? You think there's going to be a lot yes. of action or just a lot of talk? No, I think there will be a lot of action because there's a lot of teams, like you said, like Buffalo, that's kind of like in the fringe but really needs something if they want to be serious about making the playoffs. That's a really tough division that they're in. And then there's also teams like Boston, like you said, that they don't really need – something but they'd be really smart to do that because we've seen too many times um big time teams kind of falter in the playoffs so well it's an injury right any injury all of a sudden changes it you want depth if you can get depth that doesn't disrupt your roster it's not a bad decision right and i mean i'm also biased too but i still have my eye on the blackhawks because there's so many different things they could be doing at the deadline and i think they are preparing for a very busy one i don't think they like that they are winning uh, a lot right now they've won six of the last seven so i'll be interested to see if they got something up their sleeve besides patrick kane and jonathan taze like you said there's jake mccabe there's sam lafferty there's max domi there's andreas anthony see there's a lot of things going on <laughs> yeah no there are t- i think there's this the, it's interesting because you've got i think a lot of teams the um the gap is so close there's so mm-hmm. many teams within so few points of each other um that you probably have a real case for some of these teams to try to do something but on the other end you have to consider that there's so few teams with money like yeah. they just don't have there's only a handful like Seattle who really could and Carolina now who could really do something and add a player without having to like significantly shuffle their roster around and other teams do. I don't think that's going to be as easy to do as people think it is. I think it's going to be a real challenge for some of these teams. They might want to do something. They may be looking at something, but they ultimately probably can't do it unless you get a team like Arizona or Chicago or somebody else to go, yeah, we'll eat this money. Right. Mm -hmm. For sure. And then what are you giving up to do that? And I think you're going to have to give up a lot. So I, I do wonder if there's a lot of talk, a lot of action, a lot of close things that happen that don't ultimately go down. But I I think it's going to be busy. I think we're going to have tons to talk about. So I'm looking yeah, forward. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. Ho- hopefully by the time we do another show, we'll actually have a trade to talk about. But uh, I think we're going to be busy, especially the last you know, three weeks, two weeks prior to the deadline. Um, I'm looking forward to that one. We'll probably have to see if we can't. Uh, it'll be busy for us, but maybe we'll try to do like a live one during the deadline or something. We'll see if we can. Oh, that'd be uh, fun. That'd be kind yeah. of fun to just be announcing trades as they're happening. <laughs> be like, hey, guess what? <laughs> yeah, yeah well that's the best you. thing right you keep yeah. your eyes on twitter while trying to keep your eyes on the video anyway uh brooke thank you very much uh for everybody who wants to check out brooke's work on the hockey writers nhl trade talk uh you can definitely do that you can check out my stuff too news and rumors we've got a news article every day uh so we're keeping up as much as we can with what is happening as people are talking about their moves and potential moves and stuff like that so uh, check them out 
Don't forget as well, uh, listen to, download, subscribe to any of the volumes and archives of the show. Uh, we appreciate people doing it. We'll try to do this a little bit more regularly as things wrap up here and get busier. Uh, but Brooke, thank you very much for doing this again. Yes, thank you. Like I said, we got a lot of exciting things coming up. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. All right, folks, uh, take care. We'll talk to you in the next edition of NHL Trade Talk, the podcast. <laughs> See you guys later.